When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome, everybody, to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa Colon-Delay, and this is Soul School Lesson 248, The Passions and the Pain. Today, I will be reading to you from The Wounding and the Healing of Desire, Weaving Heaven and Earth by Dr. Wendy Farley. I had Dr. Wendy Farley on as a guest a little while ago to talk about the medieval women Christian mystics. It was a really interesting episode about these fascinating women of the late medieval period. She wrote a book that has been sitting nearby and I haven't had a chance to dig into it like I wanted to. But I wanted to explore some of these things about what is called the passions under the context of austerity and ascetics and how they show us the wounds of love. Prior to getting to that, I want to let you know a little bit of an update from me. As some of you know who've been listening, I've been in Puerto Rico for the last six weeks or so, and I had to abruptly end that trip and come back because of a family emergency my husband had a severe biking accident and broke six ribs, a scapula, a clavicle, and really hurt himself. So I came back to attend to that and to my son who needs help getting to work and other things. And so with that ending, there's been a transition for me coming back and trying to get things going here again. And I hope to go back to Puerto Rico perhaps in the beginning of next year, but those plans haven't been secured yet. I thank you for thinking of us and praying for us. For those of you who've sent money to help me in Puerto Rico, help during Hurricane Fiona, I'm very grateful for your help. And my heart is in Puerto Rico to help those who've been affected by Hurricane Fiona. That is my plan when I get back again. In Chapter 3, that is called The Passions, Wounds of Love. Wendy writes on page 35, How is it that these flames of desire live out lives of such drudgery, triviality, suffering, affliction, pettiness, cruelty, and ignorance? How is it that we run so hard in the opposite direction of the happiness we crave? We are lovers of the world, and we are wounded by this love. Much of the suffering we experience is imposed on us, Depression, poverty, grief, illness, work, lack of work, the untold millions of disasters that befall us. In turning to the passions, we are not displacing the causes of human misery. 
the Passion show us how deeply these sufferings bite into us, wounding and poisoning us. They are one way we can interpret how the things that happen to us are appropriated by us in destructive ways. The distortions accomplished by passions make us unwilling and often unknowing accomplices to our pain. There are a lot of portions in this book that refer to the ascetic desert elders, the Amas and the Abbas that went out to the desert and their wisdom and what we can learn from them. And they took up simple lives, austere lives that were much different from the luxurious lives in the cities. From page 36, describing some of the dynamics of what the desert ascetics called the passions is one way of trying to untangle this web of illusion, even while we still inhabit it. What the passions are not. There is no readily established contemporary vocabulary for trying to draw the strangeness of our condition up to consciousness. We reason, we choose things, we feel things. Psychologists and therapists remind us of our unconscious. But outside of trauma theory, it is hard to understand this bondage to unhappy ways of life. In these modern times, reason, will, and emotion are the main constituents of our understanding of persons. And these are understood to be, quote, free, unquote. Determining how crazy a person has to be before he or she is no longer held criminally responsible for his or her actions is one of the few senses in which this freedom is understood to be limited. The wisdom of religious traditions, as well as reflection on our own social and psychic experience, tell a different story. The, quote, passions, unquote, is an ancient name for some of the ways in which our own psyche helps to trap us in patterns of behavior that block us from our deepest joy. Since the time of the desert ascetics and medieval theologians, the word passion has come to mean different things. I employ this terminology as it was used in the ancient world and not according to its more contemporary connotations. In this earlier literature, passions are not necessarily conscious feelings. We are, for the most part, hardly aware of them. They do not inhabit the upper surfaces of self-consciousness, but tracking them can help expose those parts of us that engage in this odd but nearly universal addiction to harmful ways of life. There is a weirdness and inaccessibility to these dynamics of our spirit. And so we begin by suggesting what the passions are not. After the Romantic movement, the word passion has taken on a largely positive connotation, meaning something like intense emotion or a great commitment to something wonderful, if slightly bizarre. It is therefore necessary to say first of all that the passions in this earlier sense are not emotions. It occurred to me that there was not such a word in classical theology either. Theologians described many aspects of our minds, passions, desire, affections, the voluntary and involuntary, intellect, concupiscence, will, free and bound, appetitive will, intellectual will, virtues, vices, habits, this tradition gave theology a way of reflecting on the extreme complexity that characterizes the human mind. 
Emotion does little to capture this complexity. Emotion usually refers to uncontrived feeling states of which we are consciously aware. Emotions are part of the vitality of life and contribute to our awareness of reality. The passions, by contrast, may or may not arise to an explicit feeling state. Passions refer not to emotions, but to distortions of our psyche and spirit that block out a clear understanding of reality. Passion has passivity as its root. It is something that is suffered involuntarily. Passions have the connotation of bondage and uneasiness. They exemplify the way the soul has become twisted and turned in on itself and alienation from the world around us. I'm going to pause for a moment here on page 38 to just mention that Dr. Wendy Farley refers to passions this way in the ancient way, not in a way that we're used to. So when we move forward in this episode, we're talking about the passions as defined differently, having a connotation with bondage and uneasiness as a way to describe something that's happening in the unseen world within us and that can block us from having real joy. As we proceed to reflect on what the passions are, it is crucial to remember that they are not emotions. They sink deeper into the soul than emotions and are, in this literature, always understood as a kind of bondage and painful disorder. Passions are also not vices. The feelings, the ascetics associated with passions can be considered vices. Anger, lust, jealousy, and so on. And passions can be expressed as vices. Habits of pettiness. Drinking and whoring, stealing, lying, violence, and so on usually do not possess souls at peace with themselves. But then preoccupation with vice and virtue, moral and immoral behavior, can itself be a vice. The ascetics identified other passions as well that we would not think of as vices, such as acedia and sadness. The passions muffle and distort holy desire. Melancholy and virtues can do this as easily as can vices. The infinitely accommodating teacher, the doctor who works 80 hours a week, and the obsessive volunteer who cannot refuse even the most trivial and thankless requests may all contribute to the well-being of others. They may be pleasant and kind people, but they may be in thrall to unrealistic expectations that they can and should perfectly meet everyone's need. They may be exercising some imagined guilt. They may lack the, quote, skillful means, unquote, that would enable them to shine with erotic power while resting in tranquility. They may be able to take care of everyone except themselves. So the divine image in them becomes dim and scarred. These distorted efforts to, quote, do good, are neither emotions nor vices, but they are related to the passions. The passions have, in these cases, choked out the intended virtue. If we think of the health of the soul only in the terms of virtues and vices, we are less likely to see how the passions use even our virtues in harmful ways. Passions distort everything they touch, including our emotions and our genuine impulses toward good. It is not our virtues, but the divine image in us that matters. The passions are obstacles to the shining of this holy luminescence. Skipping ahead to page 41. The significant point here for non-desert ascetics 
is the attachment to the pleasures and pains of the normal human life, such as work, family, buying things, comfort, and so on, is a problem not primarily because these things are evil. These things are a problem because they conceal from us our deepest wounds. They are like pain relievers that prevent us from recognizing how serious an injury or illness really is. Because it was not really, quote, the world, unquote, that was the root of the problem, renunciation of the world did not itself bring the ascetics the tranquility of spirit and abiding in love they desired. This first stage of renunciation merely cleared the ground so that the deeper wounds and obstacles to love could begin to appear. Renunciation of, quote, the world, unquote, did not give ascetics mastery over passions. It only allowed them to begin to journey to freedom. A renunciation of the more obvious desires and fears allows deeper patterns of addiction and terror to be seen. The ascetics had a keen eye for how quickly, quote, spiritual, unquote, addictions replaced, quote, earthly ones. They saw how relatively easy it might be to renounce worldly honors and dedicate ourselves to only fasting, visuals, and austerities. But then we bask in the honor this brings us. Or someone else gives up all of his or her wealth. But then suppose there is a good tool to which we become attached. We allow that miserable tool to have the same effect on us. The structure of the passion remains, but it's transferred to a different context. This is what's insidious about what we call the passions. It is hard to call out the interior shadows when we want so desperately not to see them. The ascetics knew that they had to travel through many chambers of the mind before love could inhabit the infinite depth of the human heart. For the ascetics, in order to get to the level of the psyche where they could renounce everything that blocked their capacity to love, they had to first renounce their preoccupations in society. The journey inward is dangerous and painful. The ascetics of the desert were wise enough to know these difficulties were only magnified by unbroken solitude. They were wise not only in noticing the sneakiness and subtlety of the passions, but also in being aware of how important it is to be spiritually gentle with oneself and lean on the help of others. Passions can fill us with terror, so they admonished, quote, let us make provision for protecting this power of our soul by praying to Christ in our nightly vigils and also by applying the remedies we spoke of above. They leaned heavily on one another and the collective wisdom of their community, finding wisdom and safety in the guidance of spiritual masters. They leaned heavily on Christ, seeking to conceal nothing of their struggle from him. The ascetics exhibited astounding tenacity in their enthusiasm to uproot every obstacle between themselves and love. They understood that this was possible through their determination and practices and through the power given to them by Christ. Quote, having armed himself sick by all prayer and perseverance and supplication and fasting by faith, he will be able to wage war against the principalities. Unquote. The fruit of this struggle was love, quote, which has the role of showing itself to every image of God as being as nearly like its prototype as possible, no matter how the demons ply their arts to defile them. The depth and tenacity of the passions and their chameleon-like agility 
remind us that we are not dealing with something we can turn away from through a simple act of will, nor are we up against something that we can overcome by being, quote, good, unquote. It is the restructuring of the ego itself that is affected by the passions. Study of the passions exposes hidden places of woundedness. In doing so, they lead us to a deeper understanding of the healing and transformation the divine eros opens for us. This is why they are worth recovering. That ends the portion of reading today. I may continue on with this chapter, especially if you let me know that you enjoy it. I invite you to go to my Substack page for this particular episode. You will find links to that at sparkmymuse.com for episode SSL 248. And just go to sparkmymuse.com to find all sorts of other things you might be interested in. And I also ask that you will financially support me, whether you go to Patreon and support monthly or just become a paid newsletter subscriber. It makes a big difference and it helps me to do my work. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you reach out if you have a question or a comment and may you have blessing and peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.